wonderful to see you all here tonight. It's good to see a really great group. I thought I'd uh, give you an update on my science fair project. You know, the science fair, the Acela science fair is coming up really soon. So make sure you're getting your things in. You know, I've, I've got this pretty neat idea. It's, it's this, this cylinder you take and you push a button and then this blue light comes up like this. And you kind of wave it around and it goes <laughs> And it, it kills germs. That's, that's, what it, that's what it does. And you know what I named it? The Yoda. So that's, that's my science fair. But seriously, the Acela Science Fair is coming up. And uh, we're excited about all of you getting your entries in. So and now it's time to turn it over to somebody that is very strong with the force. It's Dr. John and the Technology Spotlight. Have you ever wished that you could control the weather? You know, decide if you want some sunshine or a little bit of, well, that's not what we're going to talk about, but some researchers at UC San Diego have come up with some smart clothes that can help you change your personal weather. And this is some technology where they can help regulate your body temperature. And they use flexible materials together, and um, when you get too hot, then it cools you down. When you get too cool, then it warms you up just to that perfect body temperature. You know how it goes where you're really cold and everyone else in the room is warm, or the other way around, right? It always happens. Well, this would be the perfect way to adjust that. Uh, if you look at this picture, you can see how all of their electronics and everything are flexible. The little teeny wires and everything, and they have uh, a battery pack. Well, they're working on a version of this that is a whole jacket that can regulate your temperature. And uh, it's all flexible. And they use some thermoelectric uh, devices that move the heat from one side to the other. So they're not actually making cool or making heat. They're actually just moving heat around. And so the side that has your skin, if it's too warm, then they move some of that heat to the other side and make the outside of the surface a little warmer. And that cools you down. Uh, so if you take a look at this, you can see this is their special elastic stuff where it's got all those little uh, thermoelectric devices in there to control the temperature. And if you wear something like this, you can use substantially less energy regulating your own temperature and still feel really comfortable. For example, during the summer, if you're in a warmer area, then you can use much less power and be really comfortable still wearing something like this. Or maybe if you're outside, and then that's a lot less power than cooling all of outside, right? <laughs> and so uh, uh, it's kind of neat that they can do that with this, these smart clothes. But there's another aspect that's kind of fascinating. Do you remember when we talked about um, infrared? Remember, infrared cameras see in heat? and they can see things that are warmer and things that are cooler. If you look at this picture, you can see how that guy standing there is warmer than everything else. And that car, you can tell, just barely turned off because the hood of the car is all warm. And uh, these are the kinds of things you cannot see if you just look at something with normal light. But in infrared, you see all kinds of things like that. Well, these researchers took the same neat uh, smart clothes that they're developing 
their little band thing, and they turned it around. So instead of regulating the temperature of your skin, they used it to regulate the temperature of the outside of their uh, device. And if you look at this picture, this is a picture of an infrared with someone wearing that wristband, and you can see how it's invisible to infrared. So they're making a whole jacket that will make it so you can be invisible to infrared. And I'll bet you're thinking now, why would I want to be invisible to infrared, right? <laughs> well, you know, snakes see in, in infrared sometimes. So, <laughs> <I'm kind> of <laughs> um, but but really, uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure uh, how applicable that'll be for most of us, but, <laughs> you know, circumstances. Uh, but in addition to that, um, it would be really nice to have smart clothes, and there's a lot of neat things that these smart clothes could do. And well, this is just the very, very beginning. But the trick is, if you're going to have electronics and things, then they've got to be flexible. They've got to be durable. And so these are the challenges that we're working on. And, you know, I'm waiting for the day when I have my smart clothes that can get me dressed in the morning. You know, that'd be, <laughs> it would be good, right? <laughs> well, that's all the tech we have the time for. Thank you. <laughs> Now it's time for Breakthroughs in Science with Tobias. All right. Well, tonight we're going to talk about a photographer. And this is, some people say, NASA's greatest photographer. So this has to do something with space, obviously. Now. Before this point, um, there had already been some amazing breakthroughs in seeing space and glimpsing into space. And one, aside from looking at galaxies and nebulas and those things out of our solar system, what about the other objects inside of our own solar system? Just our solar system is ginormous. And so being able to look at these planets and moons and objects was something we really wanted to do, and we wanted to do better. And really, the Hubble Space Telescope had opened up new ways to be able to see these things. And yet, NASA and some other groups wanted to put out a probe and send it to specific planets to be able to get up-close looks. And specifically, Saturn was their goal. And the difference between this, I mean, if you think about Hubble, it had a really, really good zoom lens, an amazing zoom lens. I mean, it's a telescope. I mean, if you can, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're, you've got that long zoom and you're taking the picture of that person you know, sneakily from far away, you know. Um, that's, we're kind of just, you can't really change angles. This is your shot if they turn towards you. Oh, I got it. No, wait, 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 wait for it. You know, it's like that compared to getting to have a photo shoot with the model in your studio, okay? <laughs> then you can go anywhere. Um, what they wanted to do was have something that could go up close to this planet and be able to shoot it close and also from angles we had never seen before. And so the project and the probe was called Cassini. And this is um, a picture of the Cassini probe that they were going to send out. And if you look at the bottom of the one on the right, you can see those guys there working on it. And that tells you, that shows you how big it was. So it was like the size of a school bus. And this was a large probe that they were going to send out. In fact, it was the largest that they had sent on this kind of a mission. This isn't like go around Earth and take pictures. This was go to another planet. And unfortunately, with the most powerful rocket that we had, we could not get this probe to Saturn. 
Saturn's like over 700 million miles away. Um, we just don't have enough of a, a powerful rocket to get there. So what are we going to do? And so that's what they were faced with. And as they started to work on making this um, happen, they came up with an amazing plan. And this plan involved a special alignment of some of the planets that only happens like once every 600 years. And you, you think, okay, so they're going to align and the other planets are going to get out of the way and Saturn came like this and Earth was here and they shot it out. No. The alignment was taking this Cassini or going to take this Cassini probe in directions even at some points opposite of where Saturn was. And so what they did was they used the gravity of other planets. So in 1997, they launched this Cassini probe into space, and then it started its journey toward Venus. And as it came toward Venus, it didn't land on Venus, but it got close enough to get into the gravity field of the Venus sphere. And that gravity field started accelerating the speed of how fast this, this probe was moving. And one example I really like is if you think about, okay, if I take a glass bottle and I drop it right here and it falls to the ground, you hit the ground, maybe it'll break, maybe not. What if I go to the top of a water tower and drop that bottle? By the time it hits the ground, it'll hit much harder and will certainly break. If you can imagine dropping that water bottle from up very, very high and it coming down to earth, by the time it hits, it's going to be moving very fast. But what if you engineered your probe that you're going to let drop to the planet to barely miss the planet as it's dropping? So it gets some of that gravity power. It's getting faster, 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 and then it barely misses the planet. Well, that's what they did with Venus. It went past Venus close enough to start, you could say, falling in a way, getting that gravity speed, and then past Venus, and a lot of math uh, took, it took to do that. But, and that, so now we're, we're going to Saturn. No, we didn't go to Saturn. It went around the sun and came back to Venus to get more speed. And it did the same thing and got more speed. And now it was getting ready to shoot out to those outer planets. But on the way, they had it swing back by Earth again. And it went by Earth and got some power from Earth's gravity as well. So Venus twice and Earth once. And by then, it had been two years. This is a lesson on patience. Um, and by then, it was going 50,000 miles per hour, and it shot out to Jupiter. It was not done yet. Jupiter's kind of about halfway to Saturn and it, at some points, because um, these are all moving targets. I mean, if everything was sitting still, that'd be hard enough, but all these things are moving, so a lot of planning that they had to do, and boy, did it, if you think the gravity's heavy here, Jupiter has gravity unlike anything we've experienced on Earth. And the push from Jupiter was very intense, and that really gave it a push. And off it went, and finally it got to Saturn after seven years. Now, on the way past Jupiter, it did take some pictures. Um, and this is one of the pictures that it took of Jupiter. And this just blew everyone away, um, the, the quality. And again, this isn't just zooming in. This is a close enough flyby that it got into the gravity field to be able to accelerate and get faster and faster. So it finally gets to Saturn, but it's going extremely fast. It's got to slow down. And so they had a special rocket booster, you could say, that was ready for this. They had planned for this. They knew they were going to have to slow it down. And they fired up that rocket and it actually, about half the weight of this probe 
was the fuel that was used up in these 90 minutes of slowdown. To slow this down enough to now be stable and start orbiting Saturn. And the discoveries that they made were incredible and also the sights that they made. Here are two pictures um, that it took of Saturn. And all of a sudden, we're not limited to the view from Earth. This thing was going around and around Saturn. And if you look on the left, that's an incredible resolution picture. And the one on the right gets one of the moons. We can see the shadow on Saturn. And look at the ring. No wonder we couldn't see it with you know, low-quality telescopes when it was pointed more at us because they discovered that that ring was extremely thin. Um, in some places, only about two stories thick. Very, very thin. And they said that they calculate that if you gathered all the objects of the ring up, it would make a small moon, one of the smaller moons of Saturn. But it's spread out so perfectly and flat that it, it catches all that light in an amazing way. Another picture that they found, or that they found, that they took, revealed a storm that was going on. And it actually happens about once every 30 years. And this was an extremely intense storm. And speaking of storms, they were able to study this mysterious hexagon on the top of Saturn. And it ends up, this is actually a storm that's going on at the top of Saturn. And basically, the jet streams, you could say, of, of Saturn are what give it the shape. And they don't have as many interruptions as, like, on Earth the jet stream has here. And they even got close enough to be able to take a picture of the eye of the hexagon storm. And if you think hurricanes are bad here, um, <laughs> incredibly intense storms. So the discoveries, they, were, they, they discovered multiple new moons. They found incredible... Um, Oh, man, I just realized I forgot the picture. Um, okay, so the coolest picture is the, the eclipse of Saturn um, from the back. And maybe we can look that up super fast. Um, but you have to see this because this is the most amazing picture. Um, they th it is, okay. If I could take this, I would, all right? Um, they, they took the probe and went around to the back of Saturn as the sun was hitting the front. So if you imagine you look at the moon, when the, it goes in front of the sun, we see the, the lunar eclipse. Imagine a Saturn eclipse. And obviously Saturn's much bigger than the sun, but that is a picture they took from the other side of Saturn. And if we zoom, zoomed in on it, which we don't need to do, but they zoomed in and they could see this little dot and another little dot by it, and that was us in the shot. Um, so pretty amazing to be able to see all of this from multiple angles. So... If you're planning to go far in life, just remember, if it's real far, you might need to take some detours that give you intense but needed pushes. And if you think those are intense, just wait till you get to Jupiter. Thank you. <laughs>
were true, <laughs> then you would probably have alien people. We do. And we, we don't want to offend them. But we want to see You don't ever want to offend. You want to see a video? I want to see your video. With the alien people? No. <laughs> well, okay, go ahead and play the intro. What the? <laughs> I didn't know you snuck that in on my that. intro. <laughs> That's a her lot. and her people do things. <laughs> now I'm really suspicious. Wow. Wow. I, I like it though. Yeah. That, Thank you for letting it. Now I see why she wouldn't let me not show it. <laughs> it all makes sense, doesn't I, it? Yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I didn't do that. Okay. Have something in there? Oh, you do. Just in case. Is it against me? This is for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, you know. This implies that, um, oh. <laughs> oh, you're prepared. Did you know there's a new virus? I heard that. Yeah. And uh, it's a space virus. I was wondering. The corona. Right? That's it's, right. It's, it's a not space my, term, it's not isn't my planet. it? You know what? A lot of our students are pretty concerned about this coronavirus. They are. And I think we ought to talk about it for just a minute, getting started tonight. Okay. A lot of schools are closing down. In Italy, everybody's staying in their house. Me, when I go into isolation, I'm going to be down at the fishing lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. Um, the reason that people are going in isolation is so they won't get this germ. Mm -hmm. And the germ is traveling out around the world. Apparently, it, it started in China and went from there to other countries. It mm -hmm. dug in deep in, in Italy, South Korea, and Iran. And we got a little bit in one place in the U.S. and a little bit more in and it just grows and grows and grows. And the way that a virus works is it's a, it's a little critter, microscopic critter, that infects our system. And our, our bodies are amazing. Yeah. And they have an ability to fight sickness that we call our immune system. And it's a whole group of things that are built into us to be mm -hmm. able to fight germs and disease. And one of the, the best things about our immune system is the ability to recognize a particular disease and then to attack it with all of its immune system weapons. Like, did you know that we have red blood? I mean, my people do. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what color mine is. Do no, you? but yeah. I would like to know. It's pretty. Is it pretty? Okay. Not surprised. <laughs> but anyway, we have red blood, but inside our red blood, we have white blood cells. Right. And if we had blue ones, then we'd have a flag. <laughs> but the white blood cells float around in the red blood, mm -hmm. and when there is a germ, an outside contaminant that's going to make our body sick, these white blood cells attack it and they, they destroy it. 
and that's a wonderful thing. But one of the reasons that we're able to be healthy in, in a world filled with many, many different kinds of germs is that our immune system studies the germs and then it learns how to fight each kind. And when a, a germ comes that our body hasn't seen recently, it looks on its computer. And we don't quite understand how the immune system has a computer, but it seems to. And then it knows exactly how to fight this germ. You go up, you grab it by the neck, you hit it on the head, and it dies. And it has a strategy for every different kind of germ. When we get an immunization, which is shot, mm -hmm. right, to prevent us from getting a certain kind of disease, what they're doing is they're putting some of that disease in our body, only that particular disease has been deactivated, so it can't reproduce. But it puts it in our body. Our immune system says, oh, what is that? And so it starts doing the study. And it takes a while to study a new kind of enemy, new kind of bacteria. And then when it figures out how to fight it, it destroys it. And now it knows. So that if we ever get that disease, not with cells that have been made sick or even killed, but healthy enemy cells, then our immune system knows exactly how to fight it. So immunizations teach our immune system how to fight. And when we get a brand new, brand new, brand new kind of germ, then our bodies don't know how to deal with it. And so they have to fight it. And that's what we're facing today. We have this, this new virus mm -hmm. that comes in, it, it's passed from one person to another. When we get sick, then we give off these germs, and if another person comes in close contact with us, they can catch them. And I think it would be good if we talk a little bit about this, because I know a lot of people are, are really concerned right now. There's a couple things that we need to know. The first thing we need to know is how to protect ourselves. And it turns out that there's a few real simple common sense things we can do to be a lot safer. One of them is, if you're sick with symptoms like the coronavirus, then you need to not go hug your friends. <laughs> when, when you have a fever, when you're coughing with a sickness, not because you choke on something, but if you're sick and you're coughing, well then, please cover your mouth and don't get close to your friends. If you have fever, especially with a new virus like this passing around, it could be your fever is just from one of our old friends. <laughs> but if you get one, probably ought to be careful and stay home, not go spread it to your friends at school, etc. A lot of schools are closing just to stop the spread, okay? A lot aren't. And they're mainly closing schools in areas where there's been a big outbreak and a lot of people have it, so the chance of contracting the disease is greater. But I think uh, there's the other side of this that we ought to talk about. I think uh, someone on the news said that fear travels faster than the coronavirus. And it does. And I think a lot of people 
are really, really, really nervous about it. It is kind of scary. Oh, it's a new disease. Because it's unknown. And then they yeah. say it's killing people. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that is terrifying. But wait a minute. Let's just put this into perspective. Everybody in this world, except for maybe your people, okay, everybody in this world, (laughs) her people, have a time to be born, a time to live, and then a time to finish our lives. My people. And to pass, and you have that too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's one of us, I think. That's just part of living. And it turns out that when people uh, become quite ill, usually when they're older, they can become weak with age and, and with sickness. And you can tell that pretty soon their time on this earth is going to be over. Their turn's up. And they're just getting weaker and weaker. And if those people become sick with the flu, with a really bad cold, with the coronavirus, chances are they're going to succumb earlier than they would have without the flu. They might have had another month or two, maybe another six months, maybe a year. But it's people that are really, really weak that are vulnerable to these sicknesses. And that is just part of the passage of life. That's how it's been. A few people in our nation have died after they got this virus. Not very many, not nearly as many as died in automobile accidents today. Not nearly, and way, way, way fewer than died by the ordinary old flu. And you you need to kind of realize that. If you can think of the coronavirus as this new germ and it's coming through our society and you say, is it gonna get me, is it gonna get me? The answer is probably yes. It's going to get us all. But most of us are just going to have an annoying couple weeks, and we're going to be better, just like we are with any of the flu bugs or colds or things that come through. Most people, that's that's all it takes. And especially the people that handle this one really well are the young people. And when I say young, I'm saying anyone under 200. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but anyone under 50 seems to do really, really well. They, this, For some reason, this bug doesn't seem to affect people under 50. So if you're under 50, um, not too much to be concerned about, more than the other flus and the other colds and the other things that are going about. So uh, this isn't something to lose a lot of sleep about. When you get this virus... Your immune system is going to study it. And it's going to say, oh my goodness, we do not have a strategy for fighting this particular virus. And that's why it's a little bit more difficult to get better than some of the other germs. And so your body is going to study it. It's going to figure out how to fight it, how to beat it, as it's done in almost all the people that have gotten it so far. And then it's going to fight it. It's going to kill it. You're going to be well, well, healthy, and back to normal. And the best news is now your body would be ready for it next time it comes around because you will have trained your immune system to fight coronavirus. 
So I don't think this is a reason that we really need to panic. Now, true, it's a good idea to slow down the spread, and that's why people are being careful and backing off on some of these big events where a lot of people are crowded close together, so the spread is slower. And there are a couple reasons why that makes a lot of sense. One of them is they were reporting that as the virus is spreading, it seems to be getting weaker. That's good. So how long it takes you to get it might make it easier to get rid of. Another thing that's pretty neat, whenever we get a new thing, we don't quite know the best tools. Our immune systems have to learn how to fight it, but so do our doctors and our hospitals. And they're finding out which treatments work to knock this thing out. And as they get better and better at that, it'll be easier to deal with it. And maybe they'll just come up with some little medicine they can use to treat it. I, I understand that over in China they were doing some research where they give a patient that's really serious, that's got a bad case, they, they give them a medication in their veins. They call it an IV drop, intravenous medication, that is vitamin C. And vitamin C, according to some reading I was doing, seems to really knock it right on its behinder. <laughs> uh, Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> we need an English teacher up here. Eileen, is behinder a word? <laughs> we'll get to back here on that later. Okay. But I love it. <laughs> vitamin C is, is really a good thing. I'd love to see that graphic. You would, huh? Yeah. Put it up. We don't have it, Sully. He said. But vitamin C is in vitamins. It's in oranges. It's in lemons and a lot of things. It makes a lot of our fruits kind of sour. And I take vitamin C every day as a supplement. It's, uh, it's a very, very good thing to take. And one of the nice things about vitamin C is it helps you not get sick. It helps protect you from things like the flu, colds, and the coronavirus. Now, I had the opportunity to visit Brazil years ago. And while I was down there, I got a bad cold, a real bad cold. And I think it's because of the climate change. When I left here, it was winter. When I got down there, it was summer. My body got all messed up, and I got this bad cold. So I went to the drugstore in Brazil. And I, I got a cold. What have you got for a cold? And the druggist told me, I've got just the cure for you. And he came out with this little glass tube with a colored liquid in it. And it had a little pointed piece of glass on top, and he took it and he broke it off. Just broke the glass. And then he pulled out a syringe, a needle, and pulled up the the liquid inside it, and I started getting the idea, he thinks he's going to, and he did it. <laughs> he jammed me with his needle. I said, what are you putting in me? Is it antibiotic? He says, no. No, it's vitamin C. Vitamin C, and it says there's a little bit of eucalyptus, it'll clean out your nose. Well, I take vitamin C pills, and I love to I have an inhaler that's eucalyptus, and he says, no, it works better when it goes right in the blood. Within two hours, I was feeling so much better. 
So is it the special eucalyptus, the kind that smells good, or the medicinal kind? <laughs> the medicinal kind. Eucalyptus, you know, is a tree. I do. And there's a lot of different kinds of eucalyptus mm -hmm. trees. And there is the medicinal smelling eucalyptus that a lot of people inhale, and it helps. And then there's another one that is called lemon eucalyptus. Mm -hmm. And I learned about that in Brazil, too. I was walking down the road in Brazil. Because you walk a lot. Behaving. Man. Yeah, it's a wonderful <laughs> place to walk. And I walked past this building, and I could smell this smell coming out of the building. And it was the best smell I'd ever smelled, except for really nice flowers. It was, it was a magical smell. And so I stopped, I backed up, investigating. Who knows, maybe it's a science fair project. So, <laughs> and so finally, I opened the door and I went inside. I said, what is that smell? And it turns out that it was a sauna. And a sauna is a place where people go in and they sit down in this little room that's got hot rocks and they inhale to be healthy. And in this sauna, they would put this lemon eucalyptus on the rocks and it'd go up and it made the room smell really good. And some of it came out in the street. And I said, I've got to have some lemon eucalyptus. And so they told me where I could buy it. I went and bought it and I brought it home. And I love lemon eucalyptus. By the way, I buy it now off Amazon. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit of oil. And I love, uh, I love it. I love the smell of it. You just put one drop. Don't put too much. You'll burn your skin a little bit. But I put one drop in a tub. It's, it's too amazing bad we stuff. can't let the smell through the internet. Yeah, okay. Should we, should we try that? <laughs> that would be a good science fair project, too. An internet that smells. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good and bad. Someone, someone will invent it. Did you know that Hans has uh, started his own business? One of our people out yeah, here? Yeah, one of our great yeah. people. In fact, he uh, hears us talking every week about the things that I did and do and mm -hmm. starting. And so he decided, well, if, if Roger Billings can do it, so can I. And he did. He went and awesome. started out. He's helping athletes, students at school. And uh, some night we'll have to have him tell about it. But it's just neat. People can do it. And maybe Hans or Daniel or Jeremy or someone will figure out how to put smells through the Internet. <laughs> and, you know, how would you do that? I can think of some ideas. I bet you can. No, I really can. I know I'm you just can. thinking about it. That's kind of fun. A smelly Internet. <laughs> it has to be only good You smells. could probably even build it into texting. <laughs> you know, and you're... You get kind of mad at your friend. Instead of a smoji, the cinema smelly. <laughs> yeah, I think I know how we could do that. That'd be worth experimenting with, wouldn't it? But let's come I back. I bet if you're trying to be We're nice to We're talking about friend. this lemon eucalyptus. And you know, it really is a wonderful smelly thing. I really, really like it. Uh, they have little smellers. Uh, what are they Smell called? Diffusers? Infusers. Diffusers. Infusers? I think diffusers. Yeah. A diffuser takes the smell out, an infuser puts it in. Where's Dr. Maria? It's Shalom. a diffuser. Diffuser. I got one What's right. What's an infuser? <laughs> I don't know either. Okay. It's we're, not, we're not talking about it's whatever spread, it is, right? It? But an infuser that. is a little thing. <laughs> and again, you can just buy those on the internet for mm -hmm. not very much. 
and you put some drops of oil in it, and it puts that smell in the air. I put lemon eucalyptus in there sometimes, and it mm -hmm. makes the whole room smell wonderful. But the amazing thing in Brazil was, when I got that injection with the vitamin C and a little bit of eucalyptus, it helped me fight that cold so much better than anything that I've ever tried before. And I hear over in Germany, they're now using vitamin C injections or IVs, vitamin C into your veins, to help fight types of cancer. Well, it's an amazing thing. And so that may be one of the things that we find that really help us get rid of this particular virus. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if everybody worried about stopping the coronavirus figured out how to stop all the flus and colds? Yeah, that would. And you know what? That just might happen. But this virus is going to pass. And most of us are going to get it. A lot of us... Well, not a lot. Some of us will get it, and we won't even know. We will be asymptomatic, which means we don't have any symptoms. But we had it. Our body got programmed, so we know how to fight it. It's gone. Others are going to get sick. Some are going to maybe even bed for a while. A few are going to get real sick, probably have to go to the hospital. We're very fortunate in this wonderful land of ours that we have incredible hospitals. Uh, I think the best in the world. And a few people will succumb. But uh, that's what we do. We have our turn, and then we go on to the next place. And you know, some people say, "Well, that's kind of scary. I don't want to end." I don't think we end. It just doesn't feel like that. I think we go to the next place. And you say, "Where's the next place?" And I say, "I'll tell you what. After I go there, I'll send you a message." You promise? Do you remember the magician Houdini? Well, you know, some of you are too young. But Houdini said that when he got to the next life, he was going to send back a message. I think we're still waiting for it. So it may be hard to send messages back, but I believe we go on. I don't think we just stop here. I don't think you need to be afraid because of the coronavirus. I think you should avoid it. I think the later you get it, the better we'll know how to fight it. But it'll probably catch us just like the flu does. Have you, have you ever had a cold or have you ever had a flu? Mm -hmm. Well, yes. <laughs> and you'll probably get this. And you'll probably be just fine. And it'll be about as big an event to you as getting a cold does. Uh, I will say that uh, a few years ago, I started having colds too often. It seemed like every month I got a new cold or a new case of the flu, and that was just too much, too much, because it takes a couple weeks to get over it. So I was reading on the internet, and it says the average person gets the flu 10 to 15 times a year, and the flu or a cold. But that's more than once a month, and I thought, well, I'm just normal. And I says, but this is not good. This sucks. I just, mm, I don't like it. So then I started searching for a way to prevent colds. One thing to get better. But wouldn't it be better if we could just not get sick? It seems like it's easier to prevent them than it is to get better sometimes. And that's when I found uh, a report on a guy named Dr. Emmanuel Cheraskin. And Valerie Ann knows all about him because she did her master's uh, thesis on that, didn't you? 
Dr. Cheraskin is, to my knowledge, the guy that really started everybody taking vitamin C. He's the guy that rediscovered how much it helped, and he's a professor of medicine, a doctor, medical doctor, instructor at the University of Georgia. And his whole career, he studied vitamins and supplements and things that help people feel their best. And he, he wrote over 600 medical papers on taking vitamin C and how it can help and other things. And he wrote uh, several books. Well, I got a book that was reporting his findings. And he did an experiment on 10,000 dentists. Can you think how many cavities that was? <laughs> 10,000 dentists. And he chose dentists for his study because he thought dentists would be very conscientious. And he was going to have them take vitamin pills that he made to see how well they work. He thought dentists would be very faithful in taking them every day. So he had 10,000 dentists that volunteered for his study. And his study lasted for something like 40 years. Long, long, long major study. Now, the... The FDA has a recommendation of how much of certain vitamins and minerals you need in order to not get sick. If you don't have a certain amount of, of vitamin C, you're going to get scurvy, right? Mm -hmm. And they tell you, you've got to at least have that much or you'll get scurvy. The sailors used to do that when they go to sea for a long time. They found out that eating orange, they wouldn't get it. Well, that's the minimum daily amount. If you take less of that of a substance, you're going to get sick. He says, heck with that standard. I don't want to know what's the minimum you need. I want to know how much should you take to fill your best. I don't want to just see how much is going to get me sick. I want to see how much vitamin C, how much of everything else should I take to fill my best. And so with his dental study, he started adding on more of bioflavonoids and potassium and all these different minerals and vitamins and eventually, he came up with a formula. His formulation was, this is the amount that you need to fill your very best. And I'm reading about this. And said, okay. And then it said, and when you fill your best, you don't get as many colds. <laughs> I, I highlighted that. And I took that book because he was so nice, he gave a list of his formulation right there in the book. So I took the book to the drugstore. I'm going to take these vitamins. And it turned out I couldn't find any product that had everything in it he said I needed. He said, we need. So I decided, well, I'll just buy all the products I need. And I'll just, you know, I can take pills. So I got my little card, and I started checking them off one by one. I said, oh, there it is. And he was very particular. For his example, one of the the elements we need is a thing called chromium. And we don't need very much chromium, but we need it. And he said that the chromium needs to be in a special chemical form called a picolinate. Chromium picolinate. So I found chromium. So, oh, here's picolinate. So I put that in my cart. And I go on down through and down through. And pretty soon my cart is half full of bottles. <laughs> and there were about 40% of the list I couldn't find at the drugstore. And I thought, I'm going to get a cold for sure. <laughs> That's not funny. Put your mask on. 
keep this in here. Anyway, <laughs> so what do you do? I mean, I ran into a dead end, didn't I? It was just like, you know, I wanted to go to Saturn. I went to Venus. And I didn't slingshot pass. I hit Venus. And so what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And can anyone guess what I did? I went and found his phone number, and I called him. I did. I called the University of Georgia. Medical school, please. I said, I'm calling for Dr. Emmanuel Cheraskin. Just a minute. Hello? I got him. <laughs> it's like winning the lottery. I got him. And he had retired by the time I called. And so he was Professor Emeritus. That means he's retired, but he still goes to work. And uh, I explained to him my dilemma. I got, got, got the book. I got your listing of the formula. It makes people feel their best. Good, good. And I said, but I went to the drugstore, and I can't find half these things. And I said, where do you get them? I need some. Where do you get them? He says, sadly, when I retired, the people that were making them for me quit making them. And I said, well, someone must be making them. He said, I don't think so. I don't think anybody's making it. And I says, that's terrible. I need these. My friends need them. And I said, if I will make them, Will you help me find the ingredients? And he says, I would be thrilled. I'd be thrilled to help you. So I got me a graduate student, and we went to work, and we created this formulation exactly like he said. And I found a little teeny company up in Richmond, Missouri, that makes pills. They take medicines or herbs or ingredients, and they put them in a capsule, and then they put the capsules in a bottle. So I went to them and I said, okay, will you please make these pills? I ordered all the ingredients in bulk, took them up to them, and they started making these capsules. Well, I took them. And to take the amount that Cheraskin said, I had to take six, count them, six capsules a day. <laughs> I was just counting them. Six. Six. Huh? <laughs> That's what I thought. Anyway... Did it do any good? Well, for me, I took them for a few weeks, and I felt more energy. I slept better. It was easier to exercise. Wow. And I stopped having all these colds. I went for months without a cold. So then I started giving them to all my friends, giving my employees. You need to try these. You need to try these. And before long, I had a whole bunch of people taking them. And then we ran out. The little company up in Richmond was so busy making these vitamins that their little teeny factory couldn't keep up with everybody I had taken them. And so then I said, okay, I need these. We need these. They really work. And there was nothing magical in them. They were just all simple, natural things that... We've known in science for a long time the body needs, including vitamin C was in them. One of the neat things that Dr. Cheraskin told me is that vitamin C is hard on your teeth and it's hard on your stomach. If you get too much, it'll give you stomach discomfort. 
And that's why most people just take a teeny amount of vitamin C. But in this formulation of Dr. Cheraskin's, he balanced the vitamin C with the elements, with the minerals. And acidically, they balanced each other out. When you measure whether something's an acid or an alkaline or a base, you do it in something called pH, which is good because it's percent hydrogen ion. <laughs> but uh, pH of 7 is water. If the pH is below 7, it's an acid. If it's really low, it's a very strong acid. If the pH is above 7, it's an alkaline or a base. And if it's way above, then it's very strong. You can be burned by an alkaline, too. Well, he put the right amount of minerals and vitamin C together, so if you dissolve these Cheraskin vitamins in water, the pH was 7. So you could take them, and it didn't upset your stomach at all, and I like that. I like my stomach. That, that wasn't humor. <laughs> anyway, so um, when they couldn't keep up, I went up to Sam, and I thought, well, maybe they're just spending too much time making other things for other people, and I need to tell them mine are more important. <laughs> but I found out they were just making mine. We were just using a lot of them. And so I said, I'll tell you what. Why don't I buy your factory? And they sold it. They sold their factory, and I moved it into a bigger building and bought a bunch more machines so we could make a whole bunch of them. And we, we sold a lot of product. And I found out that a person that I know is very, very interested in herbs and minerals and vitamins, has done a lot of study, and maybe an alien. That's right. We take all of our knowledge from out there. And, and so when she found out I could make these vitamin pills, she got all excited. She started making formulations of herbs and things. And mm -hmm. pretty soon we had like 25 products. They were good. Yeah. And we were just doing great, and we started selling them in the store, and it started to really go well. And then about how many years ago? Eight years ago? About eight years ago, the federal government, FDA, Food and Drug Administration, sent two people to come and visit our little vitamin factory. And they'd come every year and inspect make sure we were clean, but they came. And they said, uh, we can't let you make these anymore. It's a sad day. And uh, I said, why not? And he says, well, what if a terrorist were to come and put poison in your pills? You have to prove that there's no poison in them. I said, how do I prove that? He says, you have to take every batch you make and have them tested for all the poisons. And that would cost $100,000 per batch of pills. For a giant company, that's not a problem because they make millions of dollars of them. For a little guy like me, and I only make like 10000 in a batch, I couldn't do it. And so they shut me down. And I had to close my little factory. Mm -hmm. And then I had to sell all the equipment and give up, which I'm not very good at. <laughs> so I still have it. We don't sell them. And I can't sell them. Mm -mm. And I'm waiting for that law to get fixed because it wasn't really a law. It was just an interpretation. Mm -hmm. 
And I think very soon we're going to have that overturned, and then I can sell them again. So now, since I can't sell them, all I do is take them. <laughs> I still make them, not in very big quantities, but I still take them because I don't want to have all these colds. But these wonderful vitamins, I call them Earth Touch. These Earth Touch vitamins, I think very soon I'll be able to make available to people again. And they're really wonderful. They really do make you feel your best. Meanwhile, though, taking vitamins, taking vitamin C especially, but taking vitamins is a really, really good way to supercharge your immune system to help you fight sickness. And if there's one particular cold I would like not to get, it would be this virus because it's still one that my immune system doesn't know how to fight. So I'm taking my vitamins, and you ought to take yours and stay in very good health. Another thing that really helps, probably even more than the vitamins, is exercise. Our bodies were made to be able to work, to exercise. And if you'll exercise enough to get sweaty every day, for 20 to 30 minutes, your chance of getting a cold goes way down. What about sleep? And also your ability to get better fast goes way up. About sleep. You want to go to sleep? <laughs> Did tell, I ask tell them, that? Tell them about how helpful sleep is because that's the third thing. Yeah, the mm, vitamins and the exercise and then really, really good rest is very important because the body, that's when the body rejuvenates itself. And... We have to have that. Some of the students are asking, but how do you sleep good? So I don't sleep very good. How do you fix that so you can sleep good? Well, exercise helps. When you exercise, mm -hmm. it makes it much easier to sleep well. Mm -hmm. If you're not exercising well, then it's going to be harder to sleep. What else? A little bit of sunshine during the day. You go out there and get that sunshine. Mm -hmm. And then, this is the one that they may not want to have the answer to. That's why you're saying it, not me. <laughs> get off your devices, at least an hour before bedtime. Get off those devices. And you mean then like your bicycle? Your, no, bicycles. I'm talking about the electronic phones and tablets and computers, TVs, those things. Give you a little time to wind down. Yep. It seems that reading doesn't hurt. A book, a real book? Yeah, when you read, read a book. <laughs> a paper book? <laughs> but get away from the electronic screens because brightness yeah. is how the sunshine tells us it's mm -hmm. morning time to get up. And we look at these screens. Now they have glasses that aren't the block the blues, and they have screens get a little dimmer, and that helps. But you know, there's another huge thing that you really ought to think about if you want to be healthy, if you want to not get sick or get very sick, and that's your diet. It's what you eat. Indian food. It's very, very, very important. There are some things that we eat too much of that we really, really shouldn't. We call it junk food because it's junk. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's, there's just a few things you really ought to be careful with. Sugar is something we eat way, way, way too much. Sugar, you need to fill the body. But the right amount of sugar is in vitamin, I mean, excuse me, it's in fruits and vegetables and things like that we just eat. We really need to cut way back on sugar, and especially sugar in the form of carbonated drinks. Soda pop, sugar soda pop, high fructose corn syrup, it's just not. 
going to help your body feel its best. And if you get all that sugar, it creates high anxiety and then you have a very hard time sleeping. I used to drink a lot of soda pop, now I don't. And I feel a lot better. And I suggest you look at it very carefully. I thought, well, if the sugar is not good, I'll drink diet. <laughs> I found out I didn't even feel as good with diet. That's a chemical that tricks my brain into thinking it was sweet when it really wasn't. And, uh, <laughs> nope. Soda pop, uh, well, soda pop is something called root beer I drink on the 4th of July only. <laughs> it's good. I it love good. root beer on the 4th of July, good. homemade, Josh Habing style. Yes, he makes the best root beer on planet Earth. Yeah. But at any rate, if, if we would eat healthier, cut down on the junk food, all these processed things, French fries, chips, just all of that stuff, cut down on that, eat more fruits and vegetables. And, and then the other thing is the circadian rhythm. The circadian rhythm says that if you go to bed the same time every day, your body gets used to it, and then you'll be able to fall asleep much, much better. If you really want to be healthy, if you don't want to get these different sicknesses come through, that's the way. And, and there are other sicknesses, too, that we ought to even maybe be more afraid of. Those are things like heart disease, like cancers, some of those. Your body can fight disease if you take care of it. And exercise, rest, diet, and the, the vitamins are part of diet, but the most important part of diet is the food you eat. And I might say in our day and age, the food you don't eat. That's more important than taking the vitamins. The vitamins and minerals help. If you had a perfect diet, you wouldn't even need them. So I'm not afraid of this disease. I mean, it, I don't like getting sick, and, and I may get a case. Since I'm taking these wonderful Cherascan vitamins, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll get just a very, very minor case, enough to train my body to fight it, and then I'll be up and going. But uh, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm not afraid of it. Uh, if I do get quarantined, I'm going to try and do it near the fishing place. <laughs> <laughs> Live off a diet of fish for a few I'll month. Get you I love pounds. to fish. <laughs> but uh, I, I hope this has been helpful because I know some of you are quite concerned about it. And, and people really are reacting. Uh, in his, throughout history, there have been plagues that have come along. And especially back before we had modern medicine, a plague would come through the land and many, many, many people would die. Uh, we don't see that much in our lifetimes because we do have our wonderful medicines and cleanliness. Uh, some of the disease called the plagues was transferred through rats and they found that out they cleaned up their garbage and a lot of the problems went away but uh, this is a very good time to be alive take good care of your health if if this new attack of the coronavirus has you motivated well then be motivated by exercising by eating properly by getting your rest and taking care of yourself and um, you're, you're going to do just fine. I agree. You agree? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, uh, I, 
I think there's one other thing that would just be a good parting thought tonight. And you see if you agree with this. I believe that things happen for a reason. I don't think they just happen. They happen for a reason. And uh, sometimes things happen to us that we don't like, we don't want, we wish they weren't happening to us. But a wonderful attitude to confront these things is the attitude of somehow I'm going to figure out how to make lemonade out of these lemons. In the dark rain cloud, I'm going to find a silver lining. Maybe this attack on our planet of this sickness is going to make this world a better place. Maybe we'll find a cure to the flu and to colds. Maybe a lot of good things can come from it. And whether or not that happens is going to depend a lot on how we respond to it. So uh, it's nice to know that if you're going to be at home for a while, you'll still be able to do your schooling. Yeah. We have a student wondering if more people are going to sell us now because of it. We've had a lot of people come to sell us in the last few weeks, um, and, and we're glad to be able to help them. But um, I, I really feel that uh, a sell us has got to be successful, not because kids can't gather in groups at school right now, but it's got to be better because it helps kids get a better education. That's got to be the key. My, my dream, my goal, my, my devoted determination is that the reason to do a CELUS is because it will help you get a better education than you could anywhere else. And every day I'm looking for any place where that's not true to fix it. And the CELUS gets better every single day. I, I wish you all well, and we'll, we'll go through this virus attack together, and we'll be talking about it. Fortunately, we don't do smells nor viruses over the Internet, so I think <laughs> we're in nice. good shape. But uh, stay healthy and take care of yourselves, okay? Thank you. Thank you all for joining us tonight. We'll see you next week. Have a great night.